Our theme here is your inadequacy, but God's power. Now, the fear of inadequacy is very simple to describe. Inadequacy means when you look at your own life in your notes, you say, I just don't have what it takes. See, inadequacy is saying that I don't have what it takes to be a parent. I don't have what it takes to be a leader. I don't have what it takes to get this job done right. Have you ever felt that way? We all have, at one time or other. Look at Ephesians 1, verses 18 and 19. Paul writes, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Circle that phrase there, incredible greatness of God's power. God does not want us to feel inadequate. Now, too often, the feeling of inadequacy is confused with humility. See, God wants us to be humble, but God does not want us to feel inadequate or powerless. So Paul prays that we will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. Look at what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but what? But of power and love and self-discipline. So Paul says, I'm praying that you will understand how incredibly great God's power is. That's the answer to this fear of inadequacy. God wants us to understand when we feel that we just don't have what it takes, that he does. He does have what it takes in everyday life. So how do I experience his power? The key is the trade in how we respond to the inadequacy of God's response. What is your natural response when you're feeling inadequate? This natural response, it was first described in the Bible when Adam and Eve, they felt inadequate before God. Remember, the Bible tells us that Adam and Eve, they bit into the apple, and then they realized that they were naked, and they were ashamed. So feeling ashamed is not a bad definition of feeling inadequate. Something is just missing in my life. And I don't have what it takes. This reminds me of the pastor who was preaching one Sunday. And he was using a loose leaf Bible. And he did not realize that a page had fallen out. So he opened his Bible and he read. And Adam said to Eve. And then he turned the next page. He didn't realize that a page had fallen out. So he repeated himself, and he said, Adam said to Eve. Then he added, interesting, it looks like a leaf is missing. That's the feeling of inadequacy. 
there is something missing. There are three responses that are very natural when you're feeling inadequate. In your notes, number one, the first response from Genesis chapter 3, the response is what? Cover up. We too also cover up, just like Adam and Eve, when they were feeling inadequate. We pretend that we have it all together. We're just doing fine. Yeah, we cover up, first response. Number two in your notes, then we also hide out. Adam and Eve hid out in the bushes. And we also hide out in our homes, in front of our televisions. We hide out in our offices. We hide out and we say, I'm never going to be hurt like that again. I just won't go. Covering up hiding out. And number three, the most natural response to inadequacy is it put down. Yeah, Adam and Eve, they blamed each other. When you feel inadequate, the most natural thing to do is to put someone else down. So when I feel inadequate, then I'll just make them feel very inadequate too. So we put them down. We bring other people down to our level of feeling. When you do these things like life, they do not help you deal with inadequacy at all. But there is another direction to take in learning how to respond to our feelings of inadequacy. So in your notes, learning how to respond God's way. Yeah, circle the phrase God's way. I am set free from the feelings of inadequacy by how I respond. Do I cover up? Do I hide out? Do I put others down? Or do I seek God's way? Let's look at three circumstances in life that God uses to teach each of us how to overcome our feelings of inadequacy. So number one, the first difficult circumstance that God actually sends into your life in your notes is incurable weakness. Yet God builds confidence in your life by sending incurable weakness. Just look at Paul's struggle with incurable weakness in 2 Corinthians 12. So to keep me from becoming proud, Paul said, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, Paul writes, I begged the Lord to take it away. God was saying to Paul, his grace was sufficient. God's power was made perfect in his weakness. Now what is an incurable weakness? Some people get weak in the knees when they see a chocolate bar. Is that what we're talking about? No. And it's not sin, because even sin is curable in our lives. We're not talking about temptations. So a definition of pause, thorn in the flesh, in your notes, is limitations. A thorn can be a physical or an emotional limitation. Now, we really don't know exactly what Paul's limitation was. 
Some think it was an eye problem that kept Paul from seeing well. So Paul says that he somehow, he saw God's power in his weakness. So how does that happen? How do you see God's power in the fact that you are weak? So in your notes, you see God's power in your response to now depend on God. When you attempt something you do not have the power to do, when you feel very inadequate, then you can see God's power as you depend on him. So in your incurable weakness, God is teaching. He's teaching you to dependence. You stop depending then on yourself. You start depending on God. See, dependence is pictured often as someone that's leaning on a large rock, very secure in that place. But dependence on God is more like getting on a rocket. And God is going somewhere on that rocket. And God wants to take you and me along. There is power in God that you do not have in your own life. So you lean on God to tie you into his power. You depend on God in your weakness. Well, look at Proverbs 10, verse 8. A self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. That's pretty simple to understand, isn't it? What is it that causes us to depend on God? What increases my dependence on God? It's my weakness. Sometimes God has to put us flat on our back in order to keep us from falling flat on our face. God loves to turn our greatest weaknesses into our greatest strengths. So where is the place to start? Where do we start to learn dependence on God? In your notes, write this down. The practical place to start is weekly worship. And you spell weekly, W-E-E-K-L-Y, not W-E-A-K. So the starting place to respond to incurable weakness in your life is weekly worship. Because in worship you learn to lean on God's power. Just look at Psalm 63 where the psalmist says, How I wish I could go into the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. Now that's what worship does. When I have a bad week, I blow it. God is present in worship. He's present around the word and the sacraments. God sends incurable weaknesses into your life in order to build confidence and to build dependence on him. So number two, the second thing that God sends into all of our lives in order to build confidence in him is unreasonable people. Yeah, first of all, it was incurable weakness. Secondly, unreasonable people. Do you know any unreasonable people? Now, don't point them out, please. I'm just asking if you know any. Because the Apostle Paul did. Look at 1 Timothy 6. Some people may contradict our teaching. But these are wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. And anyone who teaches something different is arrogant, lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire 
to quibble over the meaning of words, and that stirs up arguments, ending in jealousy, division, slander, evil suspicions. So now we all have unreasonable people in our lives. One person gave this definition on the back of your notes of unreasonable people. Unreasonable people are heavenly sandpaper. See, unreasonable people irritate us, and they work on the rough edges of our lives. What do they look like? Now, don't point them out now. They criticize more than they encourage. They want to get you involved in arguments. So in your notes, unreasonable people, they major in the minors. They actually keep you from focusing on what is really important. And God, he puts unreasonable people at the place where you work. Yeah, and in the store where you shop. And in the restaurant that you eat at. Sometimes God places unreasonable people, even in your own home. And some of you are even married to your heavenly sandpaper. And what's your response to unreasonable people? In your notes, your response is they help you look at your own rough edges. Rough edges always need sandpaper. I personally have a lot of rough edges in my own life. So Faye has a lot of work to do. If unreasonable people are heavenly sandpaper sent by God, then they help you to work on the rough edges of your life. So look at what Paul says in Ephesians 4. Please read that verse with me together out loud. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. See, often we are encouraged to give ourselves the freedom to fail. This verse says that we need to give others also the freedom to fail. Look at Ephesians 3, 17, 18. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp what? How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This verse gives us the starting place to work with our unreasonable people. The place to start, then, in your notes, is simply to picture God's love. Picture God's love for you. And you must picture then how wide and long and high and deep the love of God is. See, it's one thing to talk about God's love. It's another thing to grasp the hold of his love, to picture it for yourself. Because when you believe that God so loved this world, that he gave his only son to die on the cross, then you got the picture of his tremendous love for you. And when you commune at his table and under bread and wine, You receive forgiveness because Jesus shed his body and his blood for your sins on that cross. That love of God in your notes then empowers, empowers you to be patient. And you learn patience by loving those unreasonable people that God places around you. And you learn dependence on God from incurable weaknesses. Number three, The third thing that God throws into your life to strengthen your sense of his power in your nose is an impossible problem. 
God teaches us to respond to impossible problems with faith. How does placing us in situations where we cannot succeed on our own? How does that build confidence and keep me from feeling inadequate? Well, just look at, first of all, John 6. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, Jesus asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? See, he was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. It is important that you know in your notes that you know impossible problems do not build self-confidence. When God sends impossible problems into your life, God is not trying to build your self-confidence. Because in your notes, problems from God always given to build confidence in God, not in yourself. And that's where the real power is. That's where the strength is. And you know the end of the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Because they found a boy with five fish and two loaves of bread. And they put that into Jesus' hands. And everybody was fed that day with 12 baskets left over. So the lesson is that in your notes. The lesson, my little, becomes much in the master's hand. My little becomes much in the master's hand. You know, parents often feel inadequate as a parent. But your little becomes much when you place it in Jesus' hand. You may feel inadequate, but your little becomes much in Christ's hand. Look also at Luke chapter 8. As they sailed across the lake, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. So the disciples went and they woke Jesus up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. And suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. So then he asked them, just where is your faith? Now why is Jesus so upset with his disciples here? Well, I think Jesus was upset because the disciples, they were so focused on the storms around them and not on Jesus who was with them in the boat, on Jesus who had all the answers. And two, as a parent, If you had the answer to your kid's problem and they didn't even ask you, wouldn't that upset you? It did upset Jesus. The disciples were filled with fear instead of trusting in the master of all the wind and the waves. Our response to impossible problems, God is teaching us. In your notes, he's teaching us to respond in faith. We're to have faith in the Master, our Lord Jesus, for those impossible problems. And the way that God helps to respond in faith is by sending those impossible problems into your life. And Jesus asked those disciples, remember, where is your faith? And so also Jesus asked each one of us, where is your faith? Let me give you a starting point then. Sort of like an object lesson. The place to start 
in your notes is look at what God has made. Just look at what God has made. I love that verse from Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 17. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and your powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So in conclusion, let me give you a verse to meditate upon. Look at Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And please read that verse with me together out loud. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So in the midst of your feelings of inadequacy, God's power, God's power is available. Number one, in incurable weakness. Number two, with unreasonable people. And number three, in impossible problems. Amen.